Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Amen. Well, we're going to continue this morning in uh, 1 Peter. If you want to go to 1 Peter chapter 4 after the... When you're able to do so, we're going to continue there this morning and uh, talk about a fiery trial. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, there's two different kind of trials. Um, I mean, there's probably more than two, but there's two referenced here. I mean, you, know, you can have a trial because you're obeying God and you can have a trial because you disobeyed God. <laughs> Did you know that? I think a lot of, uh, for, I can speak for me, a lot of the trials that I've experienced in my life are self-inflicted. <laughs> okay, so maybe you can agree with that or not, I don't know. Maybe you're further along than I am. But um, at least to this point, some of the trials that I experienced in my life were nothing more than, you know, the time that um, the police were looking for me when I was in high school. And um, it was a few days ago. Um, because I was driving around the city and I had a BB gun in the back of my car, and one of my friends, who will remain nameless, um, was pointing the BB gun at people in other vehicles while I'm driving around. And it was a, you know, it was a BB gun, but you couldn't. I had this vehicle that the windows were slightly tinted, and uh, the BB gun had a scope on it. So essentially, these people in their minds are going, they're not thinking BB gun, they're thinking hunting rifle. You know, some stupid kids driving around, <laughs> letting his buddy. And so, yeah, I got called down to the police station, and they threatened me and put me in this little room. And uh, I was arrogant. I was an arrogant bugger. I did not repent over that. I can tell you that. Um, because I, I knew I really didn't do anything wrong. I didn't know my friend was doing it. So I should have picked better friends at the time. But anyway, <laughs> praise the Lord. He's serving the Lord today. Aren't you all thankful that we both are? Me too, yeah. You don't have to worry about guns being pointed at you. So if you see me driving down the road, just my kids are in the back seat, but there's no guns. So, um, but I created my own trial in that situation. But there are times in life as Christians and as believers that we're called actually as Christians to suffer as Christ did. Now, that has to be defined because there's a lot of teaching on suffering that just honestly is not biblical. Um, and so we need to define that. And so in these passage, in this chapter in 1 Peter and chapter 4, um, we're going to take a look at this, um, what Peter was saying, the Holy Spirit through Peter. And we'll look at verse 1 here. It says, therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh. How did he suffer? He suffered in the flesh. You need to arm yourselves also with this same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh, watch this, has ceased from sin. Has ceased from sin. So this is, not, this is a specific kind of suffering. Notice that this suffering in the flesh causes you to not sin. Do you see that? So we need to keep this in context and we need to keep it connected. You can't separate these two things because they're there together in the, in the same verse. Jesus suffered in the flesh. Did you know that? How many of you know the blessing of God was on Jesus, but yet he suffered? I know, this is not running shouting news. But it will help you gain understanding about your life where there are times that, you know, it feels like, I'm, this doesn't feel good to my flesh. How many know that our comfort 
in the flesh is not the most important thing on the planet. Now, I know that's a shocker as Americans. Because <laughs> we have governments that promise all sorts of things. And how, how come we don't know by now that it, it, a lot of it doesn't happen and won't happen? How many have been alive for a few years? Voted through a few presidencies and different elections? Okay, how many have realized they don't always make good on their promises? Why are we treating them as God? As our source? They're not. Jesus is, amen? And so we need to understand that. We need to realize that our comfort, our uh, strength, joy, all those things are from the inside out. And that there is a point, and we'll see it here as we move along, where our flesh is called to suffer. So we need to realize that. So what we see here is, therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind, for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Peter is instructing us by the Holy Spirit that we should be prepared to suffer in the flesh like Jesus did. Part of the life of faith is making the body a slave of obedience to Christ. Part of the life of faith is making the body a slave of obedience to Christ. The word suffer has a great definition in the Greek. It means to experience a sensation or impression, usually painful. Everybody shout. <laughs> Have you ever felt pain in your flesh when you did not fulfill its desires? That's what this is talking about. Have you ever felt a twinge in your natural being when your flesh said, I want cake today? People say, no, that's the Holy Spirit leading me. Maybe, but probably not. <laughs> you know, like my son says to me yesterday, we had this, we had some family over and we were eating. Uh, how many have had that fruit salad with whipped cream in it? And uh, is it vanilla pudding? What is it? Vanilla pudding and all the fruit mixed in with it. Have you ever had that before? I'm making you hungry, right? Um, so we had that, and my son comes to me, and he goes, man, because it's dinner time, and he goes, he goes, I am so hungry. I can't wait to eat that fruit salad. <laughs> Buddy, that's not all you're eating, it, but he tried. <laughs> he made a valiant effort. I've got to give him that. In other words... The reason why we have nutritional information is because how many people have noticed your flesh is not naturally bent toward a salad? <laughs> have you noticed that? Okay? It's not, yeah, it's not like you don't wake up in the middle of the night and go, you know, there's a salad in the fridge. <laughs> it doesn't happen, right? There's a part of us that is the natural side of us that has to be controlled. Now, I know that's not what this is talking about specifically. It wasn't that Jesus ate salads all the time. Okay, but what it is giving you an understanding of is that there is a part of you in the natural that will desire something that maybe the Lord doesn't want you to do. And that needs to be controlled. And in the controlling of that, it ends up being a... Uh, it ends up being an offense to your natural desires or your flesh. And that's something that we need to realize because we are called to live holy lives. 
How many have noticed since you've been saved that you still have desires that are outside of holiness? Okay, why is that? Because your flesh is not redeemed yet. Now, in a grander sense, of course, Jesus doesn't have to come back and go, I'm going to die again for your natural man. No, that's already been done. But natural man, the natural man, the natural desires, that's the last thing that needs to be put underfoot. So Paul had this revelation. He understood what? He said, daily I have to put my flesh under. Not just on Sunday and Wednesday. Right? A lot of times people don't realize, especially... um, when it comes to obedience and stuff like that, and you can, I could make this practical, but I'm going to keep it on this other side. People don't realize how much effect there, that, that is happening in their lives by consistency in the word and in prayer and in fellowship with believers. They don't realize how easy it is because a lot of times we don't realize how far we can... How many have ignored God for periods of time in your life and you don't realize how far you've drifted? Okay, And the word of God and prayer and fellowship are like an anchor. They're an anchor to us. Amen? So, to arm means to equip with weapons. It means to equip with weapons. So you need to arm your mind with the idea of what? I'm going to have to deal with my flesh. Amen? Let's go to verse 2. He says this. He says that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the what? For the, look at that, the what of men? The lusts of men, but for the will of God. Your natural person is not bent toward the will of God. The natural side of you. So let's keep this in context. Again, I'm going to go back to verse 1 again. And I'm going to just read it. And then I'm going to read the two together. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with this same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. So in other words, Jesus did what? Jesus made his physical body do the will of God. Jesus made his physical body do the will of God. So what does that mean? You make your physical body do what? The will of God. So whose will is it not allowed to fulfill? The lusts of men. Don't just think male. Think mankind. Think humankind. Male or female, it doesn't matter. So what do we know? We know this. Your body can have a desire that is contrary to the will of God. And we have a responsibility as believers to exercise the fruit, the empowerment of the resurrection, the fruit of the Spirit within us to what? Dominate the nature of our flesh. We have a responsibility to do it. You know, people sometimes say, well, they say, well, I tried this for years, but I just can't do it. No, your thinking's wrong. What you're telling me is, is that God has asked you to do something that you can't do. So how can God hold you accountable if you can't do it? So, so get that thinking. Don't let the enemy confuse you. Don't let him uh, come in and change or alter or manipulate or distort the word of God in your life and the end outcome. Don't let him change the direction of your faith. Say, no, 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 devil. You don't control me. Your thoughts don't control me. The resurrection of Christ within me. Come on, we quote it all the time. Greater is he 
that is, than he that is in the, can I ask you something? Is your flesh in the world? I know most people go, well, yeah, I apply that to the devil. You should apply it to your flesh too. Because the greater one lives you. In fact, in Romans chapter 8, it talks about this, and I quoted it during the transition. But you have the power of the Spirit within you to put, the de- put to death the deeds of the body. He lives in you right now. In other words, what, is this, what are these two verses saying? Peter is saying by the Holy Spirit, as Christ dominated his desires, you dominate yours. As Christ dominated his flesh, you dominate yours. People sometimes have this idea, and it's a religious thinking that is unscriptural. They have this idea that since Jesus was the Son of God, that he was above temptation. But the scripture clearly teaches that he was tempted as in all points as we are, yet without, correct, So what does that mean? Now, thankfully, praise the Lord, he was the spotless lamb that redeems. But what do we need to change our thinking on? We need to go, well, Lord, you did this, and you told me in your word I can do this. I don't see how in my natural that I can, but by faith, I'm going to take what you said. I'm going to depend on the grace and the power of the Holy Spirit within me, and I'm going to walk out what you've given me. My hang-ups in the flesh today are not what they were 20 years ago. They're not. Aren't you thankful I'm not going to drive around and let somebody point a gun at you? Amen? <laughs> okay? Those days are gone. Why? I, dom- I make my body do the will of God. You say you've done it perfectly. Jesus did it perfectly. I am as- aspiring to his level. Now watch this. By his empowerment. Not by me. I got to get there. I got to get there. I just don't know. You know, stop talking about what you can't do and start focusing on what God can. Because the enemy will hang you up. You'll go, well, I got saved, but I haven't really done anything since then. I know I'm going to heaven when I die. That is a great start. (laughs) There's so much more. There's so much more to this life. And it isn't a ho-hum, oh, I can't go do this anymore or that anymore. If that's your focus, then you've missed, you're, you're actually yielding to the desires of your flesh. How many know that in, in, in the makeup of who you are, spirit, soul, body, how many know that self-pity doesn't exist in your spirit if you're born again? Where does it, where does it exist? In your flesh nature. Who feeds that flesh nature? The prince of the power of the air. With thoughts and suggestions. This is why it's so vital that the flesh be crucified, the mind be renewed, and the spirit lead. If you have it the other way around, you can have a Christian that looks just like the world. And they're legitimately saved. And they're going to get to heaven a lot sooner than they should have because they're yielding to the flesh and the wages of sin or the yielding, the sowing to the flesh has a harvest of what? Death. It will. It'll produce it every time. You, you know, people say, well, I don't want this harvest. I don't want this harvest. Then don't plant that seed. Right? Don't plant that seed because if you do, it's not just take away the fun. It's harvests 
The Lord realizes that there are aspects in this world that he's empowered us over that if we follow them, they produce a harm in our lives. The reason why the Lord calls us to holiness isn't because he doesn't want Christians to have fun. Christians should be, ha- be able to clean party better than the world can dirty party. Do you see what I'm saying? We should have more joy should be a calling card of Christianity. Laughter, fun. Do you see what I'm saying? Not, not, not overly ridiculous, you know what I mean? Not like the Three Stooges, although they are funny. So, but, but, but the realization that, hey, we have the nature of God. God invented partying. The enemy twisted it. Okay? And what I mean by that is that holiness, this lifestyle that we are we are endued, empowered to live in the joy and the presence of the Lord. I believe Jesus, and I, you see it in Scripture, he, he uh, demonstrated this so much that the world, I believe, he drew them out of the mess that they were in by the example of the anointing and the presence of God. Amen? And we are called to do the same. So that we should no longer live the rest of our time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. Have you ever noticed this? Your flesh never wakes up in the morning and says, let's fast for a few days. Your flesh doesn't look at money and go, let's give, the, let's give that money to the Lord and to the poor. Your flesh never says, let's not gossip. Your flesh never says, let's pray for an hour. Your flesh never says, let's go witness to strangers. Your flesh never says, go lay hands on that sick person over there. Your flesh never says, let's control our eating habits. Do you know what your flesh will do? Your flesh will overeat, then be upset that it's overweight, and then go eat some more. Am I the only one here that lives in this world or what? You'll watch watch professional athletes on TV and go, man, look, that is impressive. Look at the size of those muscles. Look at what kind of shape they're in. And then your flesh will go, there's chocolate cake in the fridge. (laughs) Your flesh never says, let's control our spending habits. But it'll pitch a fit when it has no money. Your flesh says, your flesh will never say, let's forgive people who have hurt us. That one's not as funny, is it? But it's true nonetheless. Your flesh will never say that. That comes out of your spirit, man. Your flesh uh, um, doesn't wake up in the morning and go, let's rehearse the blessings of God. Your flesh never says, let's suffer long and be kind. Your flesh never says, let's give her other cheek for the person to hit. (laughs) Your flesh never says, let's do what's right, even though they did us wrong. That's not the nature of the flesh. But it is the nature of God. So how would your flesh, how did Christ suffer? He suffered by doing right in the midst of being wronged. He suffered by not yielding to the desires of the flesh, but yielding to the will of God. How many think that Jesus' flesh was crying out to be beaten with a crown of thorns put on his head and hung on a cross? During that whole process, what's taking place? His flesh is going, let's find a way out, let's find a way out, let's find a way out, let's find a way out. 
I guarantee you that the flesh picked up on the words of Jesus, his, the nature of the flesh, when he was, when, uh, uh, when he was being, uh, uh, walking toward the cross and carrying his own cross and headed up that mountain to be crucified. I guarantee you his flesh was going, angels, we can call for those angels now. Why? Because it's the nature of the flesh to preserve itself. But it's the nature of God to give himself up for the preservation of someone else. Do you see that? And that's what we're called to. You say, well, how do we do that? We have to grow spiritually. And to grow spiritually, carnal thinking has to go and spiritual thinking has to come. In other words, there's the process that takes place that everybody has gone through in this place, which is this. If you've walked with the Lord for a period of time, you get to navigate through your own emotions and thinking and allow the Holy Spirit to deal with you. And you get to rend your heart before the Lord and go, Lord, show me now deal with me about the area. See, there are areas in people's lives sitting in here right now where you have strongholds. And the only reason the stronghold is there, it's not because that you haven't had prayer for it, and you haven't had hands laid on you, it's because you really don't want the Lord to touch it. You say, are you telling me that I'm not born again? You are born again. But spiritual development, development and maturity, they don't happen just because you're saved. Relationship and intimacy, my wife, now and I, my wife and I have now been married 20 years, right? 20, working on 21, right? Okay. Yeah, I'm there. I got it. <laughs> I'm in the right year, you know, so we're doing good. <laughs> We've been, but see, my relationship, our relationship today is different than it was when we were first married. When you're in a relationship with the Lord, there should be this continual. How many know that in our relationship with the Lord, He's not the one that has to change? Have you noticed that? Yeah. <laughs> I know it's a deep revelation, but, but the reality is in pastoring through the years and, and being in ministry, I, I meet a lot of people who think they're trying to get, or I should say they're trying to get the Lord to change. No, we're the ones that repent. We're the ones that change. We have to set aside our way and take on his way. And as we do, then the promises begin to show up in every area of our lives. They're already working in many of our lives, and I understand that. But how many know we have not tapped God fully? There's more. And so a message like this, what is it for? Is it just for correction, just for the sake of just beating sheep up? No, that's not the pur purpose. What's the purpose? The purpose is, and you know this, there is encouragement. There is all those things that come through the scripture. But we have to have correction in that. Otherwise, you don't get proper growth. What if all you do with your kids is only, only encourage them at all times? That's all you do. All you ever do is just tell them super nice things. So when they do something that they shouldn't have, there's no consequence. There's just, oh, just you're the best child ever. You're this, you're that, but never any correction. What you're doing is, is you're raising a lopsided child. Now, I know the other side of it is true too, but we live in the tension of this. You say, what do you mean the other side? I mean, very simply this, you could overcorrect your child and exasperate them. But you know what our culture tends to lean toward, and even in the church? Don't ever correct them. 
You need to correct your kids. You say, what do you mean lopsided? It would be like if I only worked out the left side of my body, weight training. I would look weird. Right? I would look lopsided. Well, in, a, in the soul development of a person, they can be lopsided. Because, the, because of, as a parent or whatever, you could be so heavy on one side that the other side is not balanced out. And we have the Holy Spirit within us and the Word of God to be able to navigate these things correctly. Amen? So, we see here that we're to live the rest of our days for the will of God and not just for the will of our flesh. We're to crucify our flesh. Peter expects his readers to adopt Christ's attitude to sin and suffering so as to live. This attitude for life extends to death. So in other words, throughout our whole life, we are to live this way. As Peter describes it, this Christian lifestyle has both negative and positive dimensions. Negatively, the Christian does not live for evil human desires. Peter has already described the sinful nature to his audience as the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Go over to 1 Peter uh, 1, verse 14. He says this, as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the what? Former lusts as in your ignorance. So he's already stated this. He's, re- he's repeating this statement again. And he gave us as examples of these former lusts, uh, these former things, lusts, malice, deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and slander. What are, those, what are those things? What are those desires? Are they in the nature of your spirit? No, they're in the nature of your what? Your flesh, and it can have influence in your mind, okay? So we realize that. We need to put those things under. So in other words, what is Peter saying here? Jesus did not yield to what? He did not yield to what? Unhealthy lusts, uh, malice, deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and slander, okay? Um, In the following verse, he will describe this conduct as doing what the pagans choose to do. And we'll get to verse 3 in here in a second. In contrast to this prohibited conduct, positively, his audience is to live for the will of God. In Peter's perspective, God's will is the same for the Christian as it was earlier for Israel and, and, as, it is, uh, and it, as it is in the imperative. So be holy in all you do, for as it is written, be holy because I am holy. Go over to, uh, uh, back to uh, chapter 1, first Peter, or, yeah, first Peter chapter 1, verse 15. We'll see it here. He says, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. How much of it? Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. In other words, think about this. Paul put it this way in 2 Corinthians 5. He said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Everything old has what? Passed away. All things have become, and all things are of God. Can I ask you a question? Did you become new in your mind when you were saved? Did your body become new? How many would have liked that? <laughs> like, woohoo! What became new? 
your spirit. So is your spirit holy? What is the part that needs control and change? Your mind and the part that the change comes to your transformation to your mind. The control goes over what? The body. Why? Because the desires in your flesh are not going to change either. How many know that a dead person doesn't have a problem being holy? Why? The, the body's not have has no expression. Spirit's gone, right? Okay? So you never, and that's why there's so much about ha- having the flesh be dead. We control those things by the power of the spirit within us. If you don't, those desires will lead you into deception and destruction in your life. And you say, but I'm saved. Yep. It'll lead you into deception and destruction if you don't control those fleshly things. You have to dominate them by the power of the Spirit within you. Somebody say it with me. Say, Lord, I believe I have strength from you to dominate my flesh. Verse 3. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles. When we walked in lewdness, lusts, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In other words, what is Peter doing here? He's separating lifestyles. Do you see that? Now, why does God not want you to to live that way? Because it'll produce destruction in your life, right? All right, so let's define these as a real exciting ending point, and then we'll end for today. How many of you are learning something? Yeah, it's good, isn't it? Sometimes it's tough on the flesh, but that's okay, because the end result of this will be freedom in your personal life. How many would like to have breakthrough where you've had a problem in an area for years, and all of a sudden, no more? Come on. There's nothing greater than knowing the truth and that truth that you accept and act on setting you free. It's wonderful. It's, it's encouraging too. So lewdness. What is lewdness? Lewdness is simply absence of restraint. Of the evil desires. It's just absence of restraint. Is there an area where your flesh is not being restrained like it should? You say, well, give me a list of what those are. No, no, no. You have a relationship with the Lord. You talk to him and find out what he wants to deal with you on. Amen? That's where that starts at. Sometimes, you know, that people say, I want the preacher to tell me. No, see, each of you as an individual has a relationship with the Lord. And there are things in your life that God is doing that aren't even an issue in my life. And there are things in my life that God is doing that aren't an issue in your life. And so I don't, I hesitate to try and make a list because you can tend to get people focused on the wrong thing when it should be more about relationship and allowing the Lord. Because where I am is not where you are. You could be much further along in me, than me in your relationship with the Lord, or you could be further behind. Either way, the Lord's not going to deal with you according to my needs. Okay? So you just need to take this and then take it to the Lord. Lust. This is a strong or vehement desire. From what I see is any desire of the flesh that controls. These are appetites of the flesh that have greater control than God in our lives. Now, when most people think of lusts, what do they think of? Sexual sins, correct? That's not what this is primarily talking about. Lust is sensual things. In other words, things that are associated with the senses. 
okay? You could have a lust for Mountain Dew. <laughs> You're like, don't preach against Mountain Dew, Sean. <laughs> Yellow five, you know? <laughs> I, you, could, you could have a lust for peanut butter. I don't know. How many, how many have a lust that maybe... How many? Have, I'll, I'll just ask this question. I know I'll get some hands on this. It's going to be great. Can you hardly wait? Yeah. <laughs> okay. How many has the Lord ever dealt with you about drinking coffee, too much coffee? How about pop? How many have had the Lord deal with you about drinking too much water? <laughs> Nailed it. <Yeah. laughs> In other words, what? We, is it a sin to drink coffee? No. Is it a sin to drink pop? No. But if that lust, that desire controls you, then what do we know? That spiritual maturity is not where it should be in that area, and we need to dominate the flesh in that area. And you may think, well, that seems so simple, Sean. How? I need a breakthrough. That's exactly what you need, a breakthrough. Well, can't you just lay hands on me and make it go away? I wish. I'd be in every line there is. That'd be great. You know what I figured out after 20 years? Doesn't work like that always. I'm thankful for all those times where it does. But most of the time, our relationship with the Lord develops and we walk with Him. Amen? How about drunkenness? Drunkenness is an overflow of wine. The believer is commanded, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with what? The Spirit. Drunkenness, it doesn't have to be wine. It could be any alcohol. Okay? How about revelries? Revelries means rioting or letting loose. It means rioting or letting loose. I don't like these definitions. Well, then rewrite the Bible. I don't care. Revelries means rioting or letting loose. That's a deed or desire of the flesh. Should Christians, now that they're born again, does God himself, it is, is it in his nature to be a rioter and just let loose? Does God just go off and go, oh, man, we let loose last week, man, it was amazing, and then turn around and go, what did I do? He is never that way. He doesn't, it's not his nature. That's the opposite of what? Holiness, correct? Now, we're talking about with the desires of the flesh. It's lasciviousness or lascivious feasts, boisterous festivity, singing and drinking in honor of heathen gods. That's what it is. And people say, well, we don't have a lot of heathen gods here. <laughs> That's cute. There are pe- the biggest worship in this country is the worship of the God of self. It isn't Buddha or these other countries that have, um, you know, Hindus or different. It isn't those things. It's the worship of self. It's the worship of money. It's the worship of things. It's the worship of position. It's the celebration of things without God. If God is involved in your party, that means what? There are characteristics of former living that are not. Does that make sense? Okay. <clears throat> Let me give you one more and then we'll stop because I can't. You know what? I'm going to save it for next week. I think you've ate enough. <laughs> How many of that helped you? you? You're seeing more there. Amen? Would you stand with me, please, this morning? Praise God. How many know God's good?
Now, would God correct you just to hurt your feelings? Would God give you a word? What, what is God's design in the end? Development, growth, strength, amen? His design for you is that you succeed. He, see, he knows, this is what I love about the Lord. You can play if you want, Shane. This is what I love about the Lord. I love the fact that he knows already what he's got for you out there. And so what the Lord does is the Lord, and we actually heard some of this in leadership today, but the Lord doesn't, he prepares you in advance. Have you ever gotten to the middle of a situation as a believer and thought, this came out of nowhere? In all actuality, it was already known about ahead of time by the Lord, and I just didn't pay attention enough. It's like, I'll share this with you. I was uh, listening to a teaching the other day on listening skills. And uh, there was a, a former president um, who was, uh, this was years ago, who was very upset with people in the, in the different meetings and things that he was having because he was hosting guests at the White House and stuff like that. It was one of the Roosevelt's. I'm not sure which one. But anyway, he was upset with the people because he said, nobody is listening. Nobody is listening to me. He said, people are not listening to each other about what they're saying. And, and uh, so he decided to do a test. And as people were coming into the White House for an event that he had had, each person greeted him and he said, I killed my grandmother this morning. I murdered my grandmother this morning. And, and he said this time and time and time again. This is real. I murdered my grandmother this morning. I murdered my grandmother this morning. And the responses were, oh, God bless you, sir. Oh, we're, you're doing such a great job. What are they not doing? So the ambassador from another country, one of the last peoples that came through, he said, I murdered my grandmother's this morning. And the man looked up to him and said, sir, if you did, I'm sure she had it coming. <laughs> if, she, if you did, I'm sure she had it coming. In other words, pay attention. There was a group of... Uh, people visiting America from another country. And they were in Arizona, and they were really excited about seeing cowboys, and they were walking through the street in a place, and this was a few years ago, and there was a man with his head on the ground listening to the ground. And he said, there's a wagon coming with two horses. Or he said, there, a wagon. This is what he said. He said, a wagon with two horses. There are two people sitting in the buggy. One man is wearing a flannel. The other is wearing a red shirt that's plaid. And, the, and the, these foreigners were looking down going, oh, my God. How could, they said, how do you know all of that, that they're, that they're coming? He said, I don't. They just ran over me. In other words, what? Pay attention. Listen ahead of time. Listen ahead of time. And that's what the Lord's doing this morning. Pay attention. Listen ahead of time. If you get these things under control now, you won't have to deal with getting run over later. Amen? How many would like prayer for that this morning? You just want to agree with me. I'm going to pray generally for myself as well. Is there anybody else that would agree? You want? Yeah. So let's just do that right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we come before you. We thank you for this word that you've given us. 
Lord, according to the scriptures, you've called us to be holy as you are holy and to live in such a way that we demonstrate that holiness through the flesh, even though our flesh wants opposite of what you want. But Father, you said in your word that you've given us power by your spirit. So Lord, right now we put our trust and our faith in you, believing you that you have implanted strength within us and you're going to help us walk it out day by day, that we are going to grow and develop in this area. And Father, we know that if we do make a mistake in this process, that you are faithful. You have a throne of grace and mercy. That we come boldly to, to receive help in time of need. So Lord, we believe this with you, together, using our faith. And Father, we know that you're empowering us. And that we are empowered as we obey. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in this place this morning and you've either walked away from the Lord or you need to give your life to the Lord for the first time, I'd like to pray with you where you're at. If that's you and you'd like to know for sure, ushers, if you would watch, would you raise your hand right now? We're just going to pray with you where you're at and let me know um, if you'd like to pray that prayer. Thank you, Lord. I'll wait just another second if there's anybody. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right, Father, we thank you for today. You're so faithful to us. We bless you and honor you. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Don't forget Wednesday night, we have a Bible study. Have a great week. I don't know how much snow's out there, but enjoy it. If you need prayer, we are available. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.